0: Listening to the Southern U podcast, brought to you by Darton Archery, on the Okest Podcast Network, with your hosts Taylor McMurtry, Jeremy Ferguson, and Matt Brock. Hey guys, welcome back to episode number ten of Mm -hmm. Southern U. And uh, if you guys are new to to the Mm show, um, we just try to provide. Uh, resources, education resources for um, those that are interested in land management. i making an adjustment. Oh, okay, we have got to make one small adjustment there uh, for uh, for all things land-related in the southeast. Uh, my name is Taylor McMurtry, joined with Jeremy Ferguson of Wildlife Consulting Services and Tut Land Company. And the AL deer legend, Matt Brock. Yes, That's dumb it. Y'all, <laughs> yes. you're coming. You're making in a me exceed hot. the noise level. Yeah, on this came thing. in hot
1: on that Listen, one, I want to be introduced as Matt Brock of Habitat First Properties.
2: No.
0: Also known as the AL deer legend. Yeah, <laughs> if we can add that in, we're good. Yeah, yeah, we're fine. Give. The, we said this last time, give the people what they want.
1: Mason, yeah. one day they're going to make me mad. <laughs> I'm going to go crazy on this <laughs> podcast. So, <laughs> tear all the cameras oh, up, knock them down
0: oh welcome back guys um i guess by the time this one drops deer season's over yeah deer season will have ended (laughs) thank the lord uh, state of alabama and actually i guess we will be at technically speaking lord willing we'll be at nwtf right yeah so um so anyways um thank you guys so much for uh the continued support and hanging out with us um this uh, last episode, we talked about uh, your kind of listener or viewer request and tried to answer those questions the best that we could. And we're uh, really appreciative of you guys uh, sending those in. We uh, obviously want to answer questions that you find interesting and stuff that you want to know about. That's what we're about. Um, today's episode is one that is somewhat of a hot topic and could potentially hurt some feelings, depending on who you are and uh, how you've been raised, I guess. <laughs> but we're going to be talking. Uh, kind of I don't know we could we could not uh, really because of licensing purposes, but we could call this the, Mythbusters episode of <laughs> Southern U. <Europe. laughs> but uh, but uh, we're gonna be talking coals, spikes, goofed up racks, half racks, slash antler restrictions as a means for all things uh, antler.
1: Yeah. You see, if I'd have known all this, I could have brought some examples and stuff. You got to yeah. let me know what we're talking about. Well,
0: he, he wants the hot takes, man. Yep. Hot take. Well, yeah. Hot takes, and um, don't want you teed up too much either. I know right? it. So, I know it. Um, so. Uh, you know a lot of us in the south at least uh were raised that you should shoot deer that you that are inferior looking as far as what's on their head which is a but, lot of them which is a lot <laughs> of them yeah they don't get too big when they eat pine straw you know it's a joke we know they don't eat pine straw guys but uh yeah it's pine country whitetails it gets really tough uh compared to other parts of the world so naturally they don't look as good but um You know there's a lot of different things that we've been taught especially as kids growing up and things like that um you know we're going to go through some of these questions here and just see if there's any truth to them you know i mean these guys here are um, they have the academic side of it i have the backwoods country (laughs) bumpkin side of it you know (laughs) i guess uh, but these guys have a little bit more experience in the field and can kind of back up with data and research and those things that you need to actually prove if something's true or not so um guys anything you want to add to or anything before we jump in mm-hmm. nope all oh, right no. then here we go question number one do quote unquote coal bucks exist and is this term legitimate <laughs> you hear this term thrown around a lot a lot of people go oh man that's a we need to take care of that deer he's however old he is and he's got whatever on his head and the The point is, it's not what we want. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not a deer that we necessarily want in, in our deer herd. So we feel like we need to cull this deer and get them out of the herd. I'm gonna start this this episode off right. Please do. Yes. It depends. It depends. <laughs> 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 and he's you, right. That's the next. That's the next uh, T-shirt, guys. It yep. depends. Um,
2: in a free range situation, mm-hmm. uh, no there's no such thing as a cull you're not gonna you're not gonna make any difference on the genetic uh material or makeup of that herd by removing quote-unquote inferior Mm -hmm. bucks now um, i've had multiple conversations with with a lot of different guys that manage a lot of high-end properties and it does revolve around quote-unquote culling but but they have a different mindset or goal. Uh, they are trying to remove uh, deer that are smaller antler sized, mm-hmm. that are aged. They're fairly confident. or you know three years old or a lot of times younger. Unfortunately, It's where I rub. I, I want I, if I was doing this, I would probably start at four mm-hmm. and do my fours and threes. And- <laughs> but they're trying to just remove mouth, you know, mouths out of the uh, population. It has more to do with carrying capacity yes. than anything else. Okay. They're, they're gotcha. strictly trying to, to manage their numbers, and they're leaving their best quality bucks out there, especially the young ones, the twos and threes is what their focus is. And they don't mind shooting some lower-end two- and three-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um but they're trying to remove that mouth. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it very selectively. Uh now they are not changing their genetic makeup of their herd. They're just removing a, a mouth that's removing limited resources, you know, food from their landscape. Mm-hmm. So Gotcha. But in a fence, in a very controlled situation, absolutely you can call. Got it.
1: Matt. I mean, I agree. I agree. I've seen um I, I hear it all the time. You know, I, I I remove this deer because of he's you know he's genetically inferior. Well, that's mm-hmm. fine, but understand you killed a deer. You know, if that was the reason that you killed it, then you're not doing any good. Mm-hmm. If you just say, well, I killed that deer because, well, great. You know, I'm happy for you, but mm-hmm. you're not removing that genetic makeup, like he said, from mm-hmm. the deer herd. And if you look at heritability of genetic antler characteristics. Um, there's been several studies now that have basically proven there's no way of knowing what a buck is going to produce. Mm -hmm. He might, you, you can have a very high scoring buck that produces very low scoring offspring Mm -hmm. and you can have very low scoring bucks produce very high scoring offspring. Well, that's
2: one of our buddies, Cody, um, managed a, a high fence out in Texas and the same family owned a really large, uh, property in texas where they do a ton of research and some of their high scoring bucks a matter of fact most of their high scoring bucks that's just been out on the landscape for years and we're talking 200 to 230 or so inch deer in in free range situations Mm -hmm. now um, they were sired by smaller antlered bucks Mm -hmm. a lot of them from best i remember you know came from just good solid Texas eight points mm-hmm. that's right um and and they were producing these 210 220 inch giants that you know a lot of non-typical stuff came from a typical moderate scoring eight mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: one of the, the, the most recent study was it on the Comanche
2: it was it was all of Mick Kellixon's
1: right. old stuff so one of their most successful breeders was a 126 inch deer mm-hmm
0: well, see, like, and I guess and it's not really a, a pushback, but it kind of makes me ask another question within this one because uh, you guys have heard me say this multiple times, that my dad used to raise deer in an enclosure, and he would sell them to uh, hunting enclosures and things like that. Well, I mean, as far as that stuff goes, I mean, genetics is the name of the game. I mean, there mm-hmm. were – you would – you would fall out in the floor and pass smooth out if you knew the amount of money that people were paying for straws of semen off of a particular buck. Oh, I Not, know it's, uh, unbelievable. It's, I un- it's unbelievable. It's um, unbelievable. And if you're listening to this, you guys just, you know, get online, do a little research and see how much these straws are going off. You know, for these very particular bucks that are extremely high scoring and stuff. It's unbelievable. I mean, I, I remember when my dad got started Um, it was either in 99, I think it was, I think it was in 99, he bought two does that had been inseminated by a buck called sudden impact. And I remember that. I know that deer. Okay. A lot of people do. Mm -hmm. He paid. And again, now this is a long time ago, you know, almost, gosh, almost 25 years ago now. Crazy to think, but well, it is 25 years ago, but, um, paid like $2,000 for, per deer, that had mm-hmm. been inseminated with, because in hopes, right, that they throw, you know, a offspring giant. that are mm-hmm. giants. Um, so I, when you're saying, "Hey, look, it's not necessarily guaranteed that that's going to happen," boy, people sure do shell out the money for it. You oh, know, yeah, to, do. To do. Well, also, I mean, when
1: you get pedigree deer, like you got those that that's consistently produce high scoring offspring mm-hmm. and bucks that consistently produce high scoring offspring, you can do that. Yeah. But I, I'm, I know a guy with a breeder buck down the road. It's in the 180s, and he has produced a wide array of offspring from, mm-hmm. you know, one-year-old spikes to one-year-old ten points. And then at two, they may be, you know, 80 inches, mm-hmm. and his brother may be 120 inches. Mm. You never really know. Mm-mm. Gotcha. Um, especially in a wild herd, you really don't know. Yeah.
2: yeah. And the majority of the genetics that's passed along is from the doe anyway. Mm-hmm so um and i one of the mississippi state studies recently and i I read it but i can't begin to remember the uh how heritable certain antler characteristics were but you know we can pin that that study to podcast or something mm-hmm. but you know there was a certain percentage of uh chance that the number of points was heritable, and there was another certain percentage chance.
1: NDA published that not long yes, ago. Yes,
2: okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the width, and then the time length, mm-hmm. and they were all
1: very low numbers. Very low, like in the 20s or less. Yeah. 20s oh, or right. less. So, you know, if a deer has 14-inch G2s, yes. the the probability that that would be passed on to his offspring was 20%. Yeah, Ooh.
2: so very slim. Yeah. Um, but but the, in the deer breeding side of things, it's it's pedigree. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a much better chance uh, of producing these type genetics when both the doe and the buck come from pedigrees that have been producing those type antlers for uh twenty generations right. okay. I mean, there's much less variability mm-hmm. or right. much less chance for throwing out the what they would probably consider a dud. Mm-hmm. you know uh, when you've got twenty generations of producing. 180 inch deer
0: yeah and it's wild too how how even and i realize realized it's probably not necessarily uh, what the average listener of this podcast is dealing with but you know how much that you know high fence enclosure type game has changed in that period of time too like like a, a 200 inch deer was just unheard of i mean then it was it was unheard of that's why sudden impact that deer was mm-hmm. just so famous it was just mm-hmm. like you know Gargantuan numbers, but you know, you fast forward ten years and it's nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. I mean, there there's two year olds. Yep. That are that are two hundred inches. You know what yep. I mean. And so it's just crazy <laughs> to think how how far we've come in that that uh, scope of time. But, anyways, um, that being said, I mean, uh, the only thing I was going to ask uh, about the call stuff: Do you feel like, or um, not? Do you feel like, but to what degree or what percentage would you say people? Take deer, like, mm. and call them culls. Oh, yeah, as just because excuse. they
1: yeah, just as an excuse to kill oh, it them, just make them one. feel better. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think they're trying to justify it to themselves. Yep. If you're proud of the deer, just shoot it. You don't have to look at mm. me and say, "Hey, man, I right. killed it, cause it's a call." Just say, "Matt, here's a deer I shot. Yeah. Great. Yep. I'll congratulate you." But don't make excuses for what you decide to shoot.
2: Yeah. Yep. I, I think I think it's a large percentage. It's using it as an excuse, but I think it's. I don't think it's equal to, but I think it's another large percentage of the folks that are just uneducated on the matter, on right. that particular they matter. They really yeah. think they're and, doing something Yeah, beneficial. and they, they don't know. And right. Gotcha. There's a lot of people out there that don't know what they don't know.
1: Yep. That's right. Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: That's good stuff. If we haven't hurt your feelings already, we're about to. <laughs> <laughs> the Southern U Podcast is brought to you by Darden Archery. For over 70 years, Darton Archery has been leading the way in archery innovation, with over 30 patents spanning over 60 years. It's easy to see why many archers and bow hunters have chosen to shoot a Darton. Darton's patented dual sync cam system gives the archer one-quarter inch draw length adjustments, adjustable holding weight options ranging from 85% to 65%, and the super easy-to-tune E system for quick adjustments and perfect arrow flight. For more information or to find an authorized Darton dealer, visit dartonarchery.com. That's D A R T O N A R C H E R Y.com. <laughs> the second question here is Will a spike always be a spike? No. That is something that we have ah, heard of. It depends. Long That's right. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We might uh, as well just start every answer yeah, with yeah. that. Uh, uh, but I mean, I know. I know. Growing up, I mean, I was taught by not just, like, you know, my dad or who, mm-hmm. but, like, everybody that we hunted with. I saw a spike this morning. Why didn't you shoot it? Mm-hmm. That's all it's
1: ever going to be anyways. Kill it. Yeah. You know? Especially those cow horn spikes.
0: Yeah, big old yeah. long cow horns. Shoot them, man. And it's like, is is there any truth to that?
1: No. Mm. It, it, I, I do not. It can happen. but Right. I, I do not look at any one-year-old buck's antler development and say, he's inferior mm-hmm. not a single one i don't care if they're half of an inch long just barely breaking through the skin mm-hmm. now he may be underdeveloped well, among his cohorts of that age group mm-hmm. but you know i've seen spikes produce some incredible antlers over time yep. and
2: but it, it goes back if you're in a highly managed situation and you're managing the number of mouths on the landscape and you've got a certain percentage of your yearland bucks that are spikes but you've got another percentage that are forked antlered mm-hmm. you know make that decision early on and you can remove those spikes right. now whether or not you're doing a whole lot of good you know in a native situation there's no telling
1: i mean exactly, look i know some but. some some landowners and there's nothing wrong with this actually it's very beneficial in certain situations going back really it, it does depend on what your objectives are mm-hmm but over say a landscape if i'm trying to recruit x amount of deer into the five and six year old age class um then that means and all things equal i'm in control of that Mm -hmm. you know there's no external factors then if i start out with 40 one-year-old bucks on this property and 20 or 30 percent of them are spikes and then the rest of them have four six or eight points at one if i know i'm only going to be able to hold 10 mature deer on this property with the time they make it to that age group mm-hmm. i want to start removing those deer early okay and making those resources available yep. to the older age class and it also helps the antler development of the younger age classes because they've got more resources too right. so each age class of deer is showing more of its potential
2: mm-hmm. it is it, you know not antler development but it's the same principles on whether or not you're trying to grow a population or hold one steady or reduce Mm -hmm. it you can target particular age groups of does and kind of do the same thing if you're wanting to grow a population then you need to be shooting your young does and letting your experienced mothers mm-hmm. stay on the landscape. If you're wanting to keep it static or even drop it, you need to shoot those experienced does and leave the younger does in the, in the age class or in the breeding structure, because they're going to be less successful yeah. overall. So you can hold a population fairly steady or you
0: can trend it down. Mm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Cause I, I mean, I know there's a lot of studies, and you know, that would probably say otherwise. But it in the South, my thought has always been, you know, if if you say, "All right, every spike that I see, I'm going to shoot," you there there's there won't a be lot many to your no. <laughs> Yeah, you're going mean, to remove a, a lot big of deer percentage because, no. like, I've, I mean, we joke around about it, but like, but in all honesty, I mean, pine plantation provides almost no nutritional benefit. You know, unless you've got – you're burning it and you're getting kind of some – Unless native, you're managing it. Managing it and you get some native brows showing up to provide some well, nutrition. But apart from that, like – I, mean,
1: I, I know some people probably call me crazy and they're really going to say he don't know what he's talking about. I think I have gotten to a point where now I can pretty well tell most of the one-year-old bucks that are born here mm-hmm. and the ones that come in. Because mm-hmm. there's a drastic difference in body weights and Size antler development. Of- yes, It's not uncommon for us. When we really started managing this place, we had a, I'd say, 80 to 90% of our one-year-old bucks were spikes, a a huge chunk Mm -hmm. of them. Now, over 50% of our one-year-old bucks have five, six, seven, or eight points. I've got multiple eight-year-old, or eight points in the one-year-old age class this year. Really? Yes. Used to never see that. Mm -hmm. So these deer that, you know, are not growing up here where there's been a lot of habitat improvements and deer herd structure improvements, deer that are moving in from other places, I see spikes. 80 and 90-pound spikes that are, you know, mm-hmm. inch, inch and a half. To, I don't think those deer were born here. Really? I mm-hmm. I just don't. Or
2: or could be late-born.
1: They could be late-born, but when we got our sex ratios, they, more, shouldn't, be. they yeah. shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be late-born fawns. Gotcha. And I don't see a lot of late-born fawns around here.
0: Yeah. Okay interesting interesting stuff there um so next one here um this is kind of a long question but y'all just bear with me just because a buck's rack isn't desirable okay whatever is on his head is not what you're looking for that's too small or if it's you know trashy or whatever um i know we've kind of talked about this a little bit but does that mean that he will pass those antler characteristics on to its offspring i know we've talked about it a little already but like You know, if something shows up, like just like you said, hey, it's got half a rack. You know, it's got split brows on one side and it's got four points on the other side. Should we shoot that deer because we don't want him passing on his genes to the rest of our deer herd? Should we let him be? Are we doing any good if we do take him out of the deer herd?
1: I'll say this: if you have, as far as deer health Mm -hmm. and herd health is concerned, if you have enough deer in those older age classes that will allow you to remove that. Cause I like to keep some deer in the four or five and six year old age class in a deer herd if possible. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it, it aids in so many health aspects for that herd. So if I have those deer available, then removing that deer is not going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. If I'm lacking in mature deer on, on, in that population, I may choose to leave that deer because mm-hmm. like we've already discussed, I'm not worried about his offspring looking like him. They may or they may not. In, mm-hmm. in the case of half racks or spike on one side, overwhelmingly those are injuries. Mm-hmm. It you know, and you say, "Well, he grows that way every year." Right? He's got an injury to the pedicle on his on his base that causes that. That causes right. that. So he's that's not a trait that's going to be passed down to his offspring right. under any circumstances, um, because it's not genetic in right. nature. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, I hate to say this again, but it depends. Yeah. I mean, it really <laughs> <did>. <laughs> and that's yeah. the thing about deer management. It's not a one-size-fits-all. That's right. And the recommendations that I make for one landowner may not be what I make for another. It depends on what their objectives are and what they're trying to accomplish and whether they're free range or whether they're in a fence. It all it all changes. Sure.
2: And, and the spike on one side, are we going there, or is it that, that part of this question? Uh, it's kind
0: of part of this one. Okay.
2: Yeah. Well. The, the one thing that I prefer to shoot the spike on one side deer most of the time revolves around bucks fighting. Mm-hmm. A, a spike on one side is a perfect way to have some of your bucks that you're trying to keep around. Maybe some of your, your uh, less mature bucks that you you want in, left in the breeding class. Mm-hmm. If they're fighting with a buck that's got a spike on one side, man, that that's... A sure enough eye gouger and <laughs> can do some damage uh you know when fighting you know we'll see a lot of gourd bucks you know through the years or through the season uh, but i have noticed if you look at bucks if you've killed them during the rut or after the rut uh, or tail end with just a spike or just a split on one side you'll see a lot of times that those deer have got blood <laughs> on those uh-huh. on those spikes and mm-hmm. I, I try to shoot them from that standpoint because I don't want them injured, you know, a deer that we're trying to keep around. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, so you're saying they have the ability to do that though? Like, I mean, yeah,
2: they do because that you know you got two normally formed antlers. Mm-hmm. The spike, you know, if it's just a long kind of curved spike, it doesn't interlock with a an antler like mm-hmm. you know sure. a normal formed antler would. So you'll get them to where they're twisted around and they'll get an eye on one of your other bucks, or they'll stick them in the throat. So, because they have the propensity to do that more than a normal formed antler that's locking up, you know, mm-hmm. good, I, I want them out as best I can. Yeah,
0: I mean, I just, I guess to me, any time that I've had, you know, just maybe it's it's either on a plot or, or something like that or on a, a flat piece of ground, and you've got young bucks showing up, and then all of a sudden, a mature buck shows up. It's almost like the, hey man shows over because yeah. they don't want any. You know, the young guys are like, all right, I'm I'm fine. And they might bow up for a second, but mm-hmm. they ain't coming after a 4 or 5 year old deer if you're a yearling or something right. like that. Right. And so, I guess that's what, that was my question is like, do you have y'all seen like young bucks tie up with a 5 year old like well, does good, that happen? You know, in, in good, most cases no. But.
2: Right, but a good 3 year old, you know, the the stout, and I'm not talking about antler, you know, a good body size 3 year old and four-year-olds see we're trying to shoot five-year-old deer sure so if we've got a you know a a five-year-old out there that spike on one side a four-year-old will absolutely tie up with Mm -hmm. him Mm -hmm. and you know one of your biggest bodied three-year-olds might you know because there again it depends you've got a lot of you've got a lot of deer out there that they don't act dominant you know you may have some young all the way up to older age class bucks that they don't Want to get in a fight, you know, they kind of hang in the back, they're submissive. And then you've got a lot of bucks out there, even young bucks, that by gosh, they got a chip on their shoulder and they're going to fight. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that, uh, you'll see some of the times they'll display that, you know, just in pictures or in videos that you got from cell cams. You know, they'll have that head cocked in pictures, and they'll have their ears laid back and they'll be bristled mm-hmm. up. And you're like, what in the world is that little guy doing? man some of them just are always looking for a fight yeah
1: Yeah. (laughs) right it's an individualistic behavior Mm -hmm. i mean some some deer just out looking for a fight all the time and some are not yeah i got you the southern
0: new podcast is brought to you by vitalized seed what sets vitalized seed mixes apart from other companies is their ability to keep producing throughout multiple periods of the year the symbiotic relationships between the different varieties support soil health while being extremely attractive to a variety of wildlife and important pollinators. If you're looking for a product that is going to benefit all of your wildlife and help you put deer and turkey in the freezer, ask your local seed dealer for Vitalize Seed. And for more information, visit VitalizeSeed.com. That's V-I-T-A-L-I-Z-E-S-E-E-D.com interesting always to kind of get other perspectives on it too um this is kind of the one that i'm probably the most um the most excited to hear what you guys have to say about is antler restriction and effective management strategy you'll hear a lot in our areas of the world here and in our southeast whatever certainly in alabama You've heard us talk about clubs. Now, you know most. I imagine most of our audience that's listening to this is probably in the South too. Um, you don't hear about this type of stuff much in the Midwest. An individual will in the Midwest will lease a farm or two or three people mm-hmm. lease a farm or piece of ground, and they are the only ones that hunt that property. Down here, it's not to say that that doesn't happen, but it's a lot more common to say, "Hey, we're going to go get out four or five thousand acres of land, and we're going to get." Fifty members you know to or you know whatever even Mm -hmm. uh, even over 100 members Mm -hmm. to help pay this lease and so now there's 50 60 even 100 people hunting a piece of property at any given time and so most of the time when that happens you have someone who's kind of a director president whatever you want to call them Uh, you have some other supporting cast role type people that you know, maybe get voted on or whatever it is, but you have some pecking order that Mm -hmm. determines the harvest restrictions on this particular area, you know, piece of ground, whatever. So a lot of times, at least you'll see this in the South, hey, we're eight points or better club (laughs) saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, we don't shoot bucks unless they have at least eight points or more. Um, virtually every single club that I've ever been in in my life, even as a kid, even hunting with my dad and stuff, has had some sort of rules like that to say where six points are better or Mm where eight points are better or where – or, you know, even there's even QDMA standards where there's five criteria. In order to harvest one, you've got to meet three of the five Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, We're just talking about the number of antlers, the number of points on their head. Is that – an effective means of managing a deer herd. Yes or no? No. <laughs> a simultaneous no from both of the biologists. All right, now, why is that? Why should people do away with that strategy? You can't give a simultaneous no and uh, then go well, crickets. I, well, I
2: just didn't I'm, want to jump in before he did. No. I, the answer is going to be the same. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> That's right.
1: Of all the criteria that you could use to determine, you know, how to harvest bucks, that is the, the worst. worst. The worst. Yeah. It's
0: terrible.
2: <laughs> I mean, think about it. What's the, what's the dumb deer in the woods? Quote unquote. They're, they're the young, young deer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Young you bucks. just heard Matt say, we've got several that are yearlings that are, you know, four, six, eight points. Mm-hmm. Well... In that age class, our eight points are by far the best deer we've got. So we've got eight points as yearlings. Yep. The best year we have on the property for the future is now eligible for harvest. Mm-hmm.
1: Right.
2: So ain't yeah. gonna get
1: shot. And gonna Absolutely. get shot because he's club legal. Yep. And so and and when you've got multiple members on a property like that, you may have, you know, you over there saying, well, you know, I, I really in this on this property, I want to kill deer that are at least three or four years of age. Mm-hmm. Jeremy over here may go like, I'm killing every legal buck I see. So, you know, you may pass up a deer mm-hmm. that he shoots and that just leads to strife and in, in the club. In, in the club mm-hmm. and it leaves, you know, oh, I let that deer walk. I can't believe he shot that deer. You've got bad criteria. Bad yeah, yeah. harvest it's, criteria. He's legal. Right. He's <laughs> legal. You don't say a word. If that's what you're going to set your standards at. Don't say a word when somebody shoots a year. Absolutely,
0: I mean I've personally uh, been in clubs like that, and it's like you bring one in that meets your criteria, and people get red over it. And it's right. like, look, man, you know what? I'm, th- I'm just playing by your rules. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Mm-hmm. If you didn't want me to shoot it, then you need to change your rules mm-hmm. or whatever. Because you know, I, again, I we joke around about this a lot, but like I I just enjoy bow hunting. That's just I just like it. It's not really doesn't you know mean anything other than that's how i've enjoyed a hunt um so generally speaking my criteria for what i harvest is generally lower than what other people's might be um not saying that's right or wrong i'm just saying that's. we're kind not of, mad at you
1: taylor yeah, yeah i mean i was
0: like there's some people that are like yeah man i get it and some people are like i can't believe you shot that deer and i'm like right. Dude, i've got a bow in my hand you know mm-hmm. what i mean and so um for me it's never been a a deal of like i'm gonna shoot every day i see because i can't it's impossible you know Mm -hmm. but if something gets within bow range of me that gets my blood pumping i don't feel bad about shooting it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so there's a lot of people out there that that will argue about that though. Oh, that's fine. <laughs>
1: there's there's clubs for you, Taylor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. A lot of them. <laughs> yeah, one
0: next door. That's right. Hey, okay, give me a give me a bow only club. I'll be in heaven, man. Like we'll we'll do it.
2: <laughs> well, and, and your your criteria in that question was antler points. Yeah, sure. Or, or you know the number of points. And there's there's a lot of clubs that just got a mixed bag, whether it be beam length, number of points, width. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and let's face it, none of them are great. Mm -mm. Um, Actually, the way I look at it, none of them are even good. But for the average hunter, it's something that they can easily look at in the woods, make a quick determination, and, you know, take an ethical shot. Uh, But if I were running a club, you know, my – preference is to be shooting age class and to do that you've got to be able to look at a deer and determine how old it is right and which we know jeremy's not real good at
0: oh, <laughs> shots, oh, fired. oh shots, yeah, shots fired uh, yeah well, and that's hey, I'm I, mean, sorry, I, I deserve you, that you one. You set that one up. Yeah. I did. You did. I mean, um, and that and that kind of leads into the next one. But I'm going to say that's what I was getting at too. Is like if you're saying, "Hey, this is the worst criteria you could possibly have to determine what is eligible for harvest." Mm-hmm. Well, then what's the alternative? You know, what's the
1: what's the best way? Or the, what, what? should the best the, way the, is yeah. by age. The, yes. That's absolutely, the best and, way. And
2: and I'm going to back up a little bit and talk about the club. Um, to have a successful club even though unsuccessful ones are run this way, but to be successful in my opinion, and this is just from years of doing what we do and running, you know, with a company uh, through the years, over a thousand hunting clubs in my career that I've had to deal with Mm -hmm. by and large, the best run clubs are a dictatorship. Mm -hmm. It's one person on the top making the decisions. Now, uh, you know the management of that club the downfall is that one guy so if that one guy's an idiot yep then you probably don't need to be in that club <laughs> right <laughs> um, now if it's a guy that's management minded and is is pushing quality management decisions uh, then it's probably going to be a pretty good club yep uh, but shooting age class is by far what people should strive to do but that is tough Um,
1: and it's often not feasible no it it depends on Mm -mm. where your hunters are at it does and you know if if you look at you know right behind that um i've helped manage a lot of properties that were very successful at getting deer to whatever age class they wanted based on one of two criteria just being inside spread or beam length so i mean usually if if you know if you're wanting to say protect deer in the one- and two-year-old age class, and and y'all are going to say, okay, anything that's three years old or older is eligible for harvest, first thing you got to have is data. Mm -hmm. you got to know what is the average beam length and inside spread of a Mm two-year-old. What is it for a three-year-old? What is it for a four-year-old? And then you set your criteria based on that. So, you know, what I usually try to do, you're obviously going to have outliers. But if we're trying to protect deer until they're three years of age, I want to set my criteria where I'm protecting at least 90% of my two-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't have baseline data on main beam length and inside spread, you don't know where to where have, no to idea. have those parameters. Right.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, it is tough because, like I said, I've been in clubs like that where you do have, you know, width restrictions or mm-hmm. lean, you know uh, main beam length restrictions or point restrictions, and um, me and Jeremy were talking about this on the way down. You know, one thing that really – turns me off about clubs like that that's why I'm not in one anymore is you know at the end of the day like why do any of us do this like it's supposed to be fun Mm -hmm. you know it's supposed to like this is what I do to relieve stress (laughs) this is what Mm. I do because I enjoy it when you know you're in a tree and all of a sudden you know you have an opportunity to harvest something a lot of times especially if we're you know talking about rut stuff that can happen really, really quick. You have an opportunity, and it may be seconds. But you have to make a decision on, yes, that deer is eligible, take a shot, or no, it's not. And so I, I would feel like the main reason that a lot of these clubs go to antler you know, restriction, or, or, you know, being a, a means for determining harvest, um, is just because it's easier to do for the average person. Like mm-hmm. so, Most people can't go... You know, something I'm not saying not to discredit the general population. I'm just saying it's a lot easier to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep, yep, I can shoot that. Instead of going, uh, is his brisket saggy? Uh, is he's, right. his back sway? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What color is his face? Is his nose and stuff? Like, it's just a whole lot easier to just count some points. and mm-hmm. make a decision on whether or not to shoot. But um, I just don't like adding the stress of – Oh, gosh, are people going to get mad at me if I shoot? You know, what if I made a wrong decision? What if I mm-hmm. end up shooting the wrong deer? And now I've got to listen to everybody else talk about it. Like, you know, I just got to where I Please was. Please
1: air I, the episode where he shot the three year old man, <laughs> and <laughs> you'll see how you should respond to those type of people. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I've said it on the podcast before. It's not worth ruining relationships and no, making enemies right. over. I mean, at it, it, the end of the day, it's a stinking deer. Yeah. Have it. fun.
0: Absolutely.
2: And I, I think a big part of it, is has gotten past the deer side of it and the social side of it i think now is so monetized Mm -hmm. that that's why people are get so mad and so frustrated there's no doubt i mean you know there's guys spending thousands and thousands of dollars to have a really nice place to hunt when their neighbor camps out on the line and shoots every deer that they pass year in year out and that, that's where the evolution of hunting is still taking place. And I, we've said it before, we have conversations constantly about people high-fencing properties. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's getting more popular, and it's going to continue to get more popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to meet with a guy down south next week. Got a beautiful place. He's got a neighbor that owns 20 acres and sits on the line and shoots absolutely every deer that crosses the line uh that's you know two years old or older and they don't they don't have the neighbor doesn't have the acreage to produce a bunch of them mm-hmm. but they can produce you know two or three a year really good deer I and mean, he's losing every one of those deer every year to that guy mm-hmm. and there's a fence going around it. yeah <laughs> i mean he could have worked the neighbor could have worked with him and just been like hey you know yeah i'll do my best i'll shoot one of these deer that I'm happy with, and then we we can work together on what to shoot. You know, from there. No, it's his property. He's gonna do what he wants.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's the attitude of yeah. A lot of you know, it's my property. I'm gonna do whatever I want to. Yep. Well, that's and it, fine. And it is.
2: That's fine. That's mm-hmm. his property. He paid for it. But now he created an enemy across the line, and he's gonna have a fence thrown up around it. And he'll never kill another one from coming from that direction. <laughs> right. You know, he's wrapping two sides. And he's got another. He, he, this property lays out poorly for this guy now because he's got big open land on the other side. He's not going to have very many deer.
0: They have to work real hard to get around that mm-hmm. too. <laughs> they have to have a real good reason to come over there.
2: Yep. And yeah. and that's, unfortunately, that's the evolution of it. Right. But, but back to the the spike on one side of the antler characteristics, uh, you know, he mentioned the width and the spread when I was running a bunch of turnkey leases we did a two or three criteria and it was based off of the number of points the width and the beam length Mm -hmm. so they just had to meet two of those three criteria now that's a lot to look at but we were able to protect 90 percent of our three-year-olds that way Mm -hmm. we could we could up it and get away from the two-year-olds and protect our three-year-olds right and you know we were Targeting four and five year old. Well, I guess
0: too, like we always say, we keep saying it depends, it depends, but it also depends where you're at in the world too, right? Like, oh, yeah. Because absolutely. Because uh, if you're describing those kind of antler characteristics, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your width needs to be, you know, it's different. You know, everywhere. yeah, it's different everywhere. If you've got good data like you're talking yeah. about, then you figure that out. Mm-hmm. Then occasionally will you kill a deer that's not four or five years old? Yes. Now, you've got to be okay with it, though. Yep. Like You know what I mean? Yeah. As, as the club president or whatever you are, yeah, you've, got to go, you've got to go, hey, look, meets criteria. Yeah. Nothing. Can't get mad about it. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: So. You know, one one club years ago, they asked me, you know, we went to 120-inch minimum mm-hmm. gross score, and we're killing fewer big bucks yep. than we used to. And I go, like, that's easy. You're high-grading. Mm-hmm. Because some of the dumbest deer in the woods are 120-plus-inch three-year-olds, and they're going to get shot because they meet club criteria, Yep. yet that is your 140 and forty and fifteen, sixty 60 inch deer at four, five, six years of age. That you were killing. Yeah, that's what you were killing beforehand, before you went to the 120 minimum.
2: Yep. Um, You've created a high grade situation. Yeah, and
1: especially now with, with bait and cell cameras, mm-hmm. you can get a really good handle of what you got walking around the place, and people will select Individuals. individual deer to kill. And mm-hmm. you're not the only one that's got that deer on camera, I right promise. Oh, yeah. Sure, so, we've talked about it a lot, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, I I know um, a particular piece of property that has a a, <laughs> a waiting list a mile long for people trying to get in and just can't get in it because it's such a, a very small uh, spot, and it's like seven or 800 acres or so, but it's bow hunt only, um, mm-hmm. really nice place. And I know the guy personally that is that manages it and kind of oversees everything, club rules, all that kind of stuff. And he just constantly preaches, you know, boys, if you just let them grow, we can kill big deer in Alabama. I'm telling you right, you just got to let them grow, quit killing everything. And, and to his credit, yes, you can. But I also know that in the time that they've had this property, which is about 20 years, uh, they have killed one uh, one buck several years back, scored 153, I believe, killed another one. Uh, even farther back than that, that scored like one seventy two, one seventy three. I mean, just a giant for Alabama. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "See, see, you can do it." And I'm like, "Okay, man. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna pour twenty years of my life into killing a deer. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Like, I'm just that is not appealing to me at all. Now, to somebody else, maybe it is. You know, but like, can you grow them? Well, I mean, obviously you killed it, so yeah, you can. <laughs>
2: but now see that. But that, that goes back to saying where it is Mm -hmm. and i got a fair idea where that place is i'm guessing um but in some of these areas of the state now leave the booner out Mm -hmm. but 140 150 160 inch deer very obtainable yeah Mm -hmm. 140 maybe a little bit plus can be obtainable on an annual basis Mm -hmm. Um, pretty pretty easily Mm -hmm. Um, but it's you know a little quarter-inch.
0: Yeah. That's right. I mean, yeah.
2: On a good rifle, it's a lot less than that. Yeah. About a 16th. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, less than two pounds of pressure, too. Really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. yep. That's right.
2: But uh, it's from a, you know, a really intensively managed situation. You know, we're in a small club. Mm-hmm. Small clubs can do this. Big clubs struggle. Uh, but, man, use those cameras to your advantage. Mm-hmm you know id these deer ahead of time and create a hit list of bucks and man don't stray from it unless you know you can age a deer on the hoof yeah
1: right yep i mean and that's you know i, I encourage communication and you know people this that's is the problem this is one thing i don't <laughs> like about larger clubs you always have a few guys that they're coming to that situation like i'm not telling anybody anything i'm gonna hunt how i want to and as long as i'm killing deer that are club legal i'm not gonna worry about it that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it helps when you're communicating because mm-hmm. that way, if everybody's sharing information, you don't have to tell where you're getting pictures. Yeah. But if everybody's sharing the deer that they're getting, then you can develop that list. Say, okay, guys, you know, these are the five deer that we're going to try to target this year. Leave everything else alone, unless mm-hmm. you have a, a wanderer come through during the rut, and that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't happen around here um, for some odd reason, never has. Not mm-hmm. much, anyway. I did get one six- or seven-year-old deer on camera this year that was a a solid 10. Never Never seen seen him before, and he was not my neighbor's. He ended up not being the neighbor's deer that I thought he was. Yep, not. Because that deer got killed, and he's not the same deer. Okay. So, um, you know, you'll pick up deer, but... Developing that list Mm -hmm. and having good communication with everybody Mm -hmm. goes a long way, but there's just too much jealousy. I mean, there's just a lot of jealousy in deer hunting. And
2: you can learn those deer easily. You know, if you will look, Matt's unbelievable, but he spends that much time looking at deer. I (laughs) I don't anymore. I mean, we'll get pictures of deer, you know, two years down the road, he goes, oh, I remember that deer. And he'll call it so-and-so and, you know, call where it was and he'll pull up a picture and you're like, that, that's, that's him, or somebody will, somebody will kill one three-quarters of a mile down the road and go, oh, that's so-and-so. That that used to be on so-and-so's place about ten days ago.
0: I'm like, <laughs> what? You, you don't miss your wife's anniversary or uh, birthdays or anything like that, though, do you? No. Uh, <laughs> but,
2: it, you know, if, you, if you'll if you take the time, and, and, and that's part of it, is a lot of people don't take the time to, to study these It takes a lot things. of time to study them. But, yeah. but what, what kills me is they, they put a ton of money into it, and they put a ton of time and effort into it but that's the only step that they tend not to spend any time on and say well I just don't have time I'm like man you you're here every weekend take mm-hmm. one weekend out and study deer you know ahead of the season mm-hmm. and you'll have a fair idea of what's what's going on but the communication and the jealousy is by far the biggest thing what's wrong with hunting today yeah
0: mm mm-hmm. yeah that's a lot of truth there too because and like you said i mean it probably does need to be a dictatorship it probably does need to be one person instead of some
1: kind of committee and when well, you have multiple people yeah. trying to make the decisions no, it's a nightmare nobody can ever agree on everything no. it's just it can be a nightmare
0: i mean whenever i was on staff at the church we used to have a saying and well, we'd say it a lot the only thing with more than one head the only thing with, you know two heads is, is a monster <laughs> like, 'Cause mm-hmm. there's nothing good that comes from that. You know, you got multiple people pulling in different directions and generally speaking nothing good comes from that. So. I've
2: I've never been involved and that's either hunting with or in or help and assisting managing a club that had a board or had multiple people making decisions that was successful long term and remained cordial and friends yes that's not right. one they, they all parted ways and generally under bad terms yep. over trying to communicate about killing a deer yep
1: and if you've got one person making the decisions and saying okay guy if they're an effective leader if they're a good leader and they say these are our harvest criteria this is what we're going to kill and that's it and as long as here's where you also run into a problem if that dictator or leader doesn't follow their own rules. <laughs> the <strays. laughs> then it's it's bad it can get really oh, bad. Yeah, no mm-hmm. doubt. But if they're a good leader and they're a good communicator and they get the right people, that system works mm-hmm. so well.
0: The last real club that I was in was in Randolph County. Uh the club itself was the easiest um the easiest place I've ever hunted in the state to just see deer consistently. Um and it had board and had a a president or whatever you want to call it and uh as soon as that season was over with he was gone Mm -hmm. it was like ran him out of town Mm -hmm. because you know things didn't like you were saying things didn't mash up exactly things didn't um tend to jive with everybody else in that club and you know and that is i mean it's kind of sad that something like that can ruin relationships Mm -hmm. and that sort of stuff but it absolutely did and and you know me and my dad both got out of it of course we didn't you know <laughs> once everything started going downhill it was like well, we're not going to do this again next year listen <laughs> a
2: deer and a turkey and a duck has ruined more relationships than a woman ever has oh absolutely
1: <laughs> I, I you know what my motto is for for years i would tell people the blood of Jesus Christ can cover a multitude of sins except for those per perpetrated by other hunters <laughs> oh, i mean really amen i'm serious because like that, that is like the unforgivable sin as far as the relationships between two people yeah you sad. mess up hunting and, and it, it can go south quick
0: it can and i, I wonder anyway i don't want to get off too far in the weeds but i wonder if that's because it has been so monetized like we're talking a about big it, part of it you know, I, I
1: think it's a lot to do with it a
0: lot which i mean and again to me I don't have a place where I've spent a pile of money to try to improve or anything like that, but I probably would, ha- would feel the same way. But for me, it's more like, look, I am out here. I'm trying to have fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop like keeping me from having fun. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, let me, let me do my thing. And, uh, so that's really it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that
2: that's the problem with me, mm-hmm. you know, cause I get frustrated and they, they know who I'm talking about.
1: Um, we try to rein him in. Yeah, and in. I <laughs> dare
2: not speak of the money that I have spent over here because I'm afraid my wife might one day listen and catch <laughs> this very clip. Um, this but, is not a short
1: clip, okay? This is not a reel. Don't reel uh, this. No,
2: don't. <laughs> Sorry, the, but the amount of money that I have spent over here to kill nothing in the last – I added it up, and I, I'm not going to say it yeah, don't, on here. Don't do it. But just in the last three years is ridiculous,
1: and it's it's frustrating because when you're just, spending that it when, ticks you off, the more you spend, the more you expect. Yeah, and when you can't achieve your objectives because other people have no self control, it gets frustrating.
0: Oh yeah, I mean that's mm-hmm. one. You know the argument that I'll hear a lot for. People talking directly to me is like, well, if you don't like all those club restrictions, you like all that stuff, go, then they, they go hunt you some public land. I'm like, dude, that's worse to me. Well, I, I disagree. Like, I do too. I disagree. Now, <laughs> because it's like, again, I'm putting my – and again, I guess you could say just kind of persevere and kind of push through it. But in a sense, I'm kind of sort of putting my fund – or my enjoyment in somebody else's hands. Because yeah. I can't help if somebody walks on top of me. Well, if I do my homework and I do everything I'm supposed to do and somebody just comes tromping in there on top of me, like, I well, can't let me help that. Let
1: me you say know? this on public land. There are some public land areas within 40, 50, 60 miles of right here where the age structure of bucks harvested is going to be higher than most of your better managed clubs. Mm-hmm. And – less pressure and if you're an archery hunter you can go out there and hunt tens of thousands of acres and probably not see anybody else
2: if you're fat and out of shape <laughs> like me then that's not y- an option, y'all stay in your club yeah
0: <laughs> i don't know what he's trying to say <laughs> <But they're laughs>
1: um, i'm just trying to say there's great public land opportunities with good age structures oh, available absolutely. to hunters in alabama
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> The Southern New Podcast is brought to you by First South Farm Credit. If you are looking to purchase land, it's highly likely that financing will be needed. The team at First South Farm Credit understands the ins and outs of the land buying process and can help you get the financing needed to secure your purchase. Whether you are looking for that dream cattle farm or that big piece of timber to chase deer and turkey on, First South Farm Credit can get it done. For more information, visit firstsouthfarmcredit.com. That's first F-I-R-S-T. South S O U T H. Farm F-A-R-M. Credit. C-R-E-D-I-T.com. Um last thing here, and we'll before we don't get too far off here, is we've said, hey, antler restriction is not the best way to do it. It's, it's probably the worst way. Age is probably the best. Alright, this is kind of my question for you guys (laughs) as opposed to somebody else's what's the easiest way to determine if a buck should be harvested from the stand or the blind or whatever it is that you're hunting from like obviously we know that an older deer is going to have you know kind of what they call the roman nose the long long elongated nose and you know pale coloration of the face it's going to have a saggy brisket it's going to have a sag in its back to kind of show that it's older But I'm saying in the heat of the moment, when that's easy, when that Mm -hmm. buck, when it happens, we were talking about this on the way over here. uh, You know, when that Mm -hmm. opportunity presents itself, don't say what I think you might be about to say. No, I'm not. I I think I know what he's. It does depend. (laughs) But but (laughs)
2: no, no. But I'm just saying, like you know, the easy answer is if you stand still long enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: You know, uh, because listen, I you know. Because of my dad's uh, history, of having the deer, like, I, I know how old every single one of those deer were in his enclosure. Mm-hmm. And so, you can study them and look at them and, you know what I mean, and, and look at diagrams and read brochures and all that good stuff. But in the heat of the moment, when that opportunity presents itself.
2: I, I've got one rule of thumb. And, wait, I've said it on here before. If you're sitting in a stand, whether you bow hunt gun hunting however you're you're choosing to hunt. but if you immediately grab for something to look at the deer better, chances are you that's not a deer that you need to if be shoot especially in the midwest if you're trying mm-hmm. to observe that deer's characteristics even closer. Mm-hmm. Chances are that deer is a borderline deer.
0: Yeah, so if you grab your binos, or you yep. grab a range or yep. something like but that. And if, just like, mm. if
2: you immediately grab your rifle or bow, chances are that mm-hmm. that's a deer better than anything else you've shot
1: mm-hmm. and
2: you're going to be happy. Now, whether or not it meets criteria of certain places mm-hmm that's yet to be seen because that you you never know what those criteria are mm-hmm. but we were talking about from a midwest standpoint and that is what i tell the guys that i'm guiding in the midwest is you know most of them have been pretty successful bow hunters otherwise they wouldn't be up there right uh but if they grab their binoculars and, and go to you know i I'm, i gotta judge this deer chances are that's not the deer you're looking for right Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm.
0: anything to add there matt
1: well, you know, we talked about communication a few minutes ago and sharing pictures. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, if you've got that option, hopefully, you can identify even in on short notice. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've gotten glimpses of glimpses of deer before and go ah. You, you know, Jeremy mm-hmm. said I was good at identifying deer. I I study deer probably All the time. probably too much. He does, but I can see a deer under a lot of circumstances and go ah. I know who that is. You don't always have that option. I kind of go for the oh crap you know if if the if my initial thought is make him dead he's big enough <laughs> if if my initial thought is mm-hmm. i need to get a better look at that deer he's probably not yeah i mean and, and yeah. you know i mean like when i see a big mature deer i'm i'm so focused on chin in the dirt i mean and,
2: and i i took it a little too far this year on identifying a deer based off of his rack mm. uh, that deer right there <laughs> mm-hmm. okay yeah that deer looks behold yep that deer looks just like the deer i was after mm. He's just shrunk everything about him just smaller yeah and i didn't give him any time at all when i saw his head pop out i was like there is no other deer over here that looks that way
1: mm-hmm.
2: and i got the gun put the crosshairs on him and shot him uh of course my dumb self was not thinking hey it could have been a deer from down the road that looks similar and mm-hmm. now granted that deer had never been that we've seen on camera across the road on any other camera that we had on that farm
1: until that day
2: but that day he decided <laughs> to go on a walkabout <laughs> you know that that that's the that's in the research world he went on his excursion yeah well mm-hmm. he died on his excursion <laughs> he did um <laughs> He but, became a statistic. Yep, but he, he looked just like another deer, just shrunk. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes you need to take a little better look. But now, you know, where I'm hunting, the deer I was trying to kill was a six-year-old, probably, maybe seven. I think he's at least six. Yeah, but still, he's a, what, a 115 inches, maybe?
1: <laughs> He'll go mid to upper one-teens, yeah. Yeah. But now
2: but,
0: he was
1: uh, 120-ish. Yeah, he's he's been bigger
2: before.
0: Oh, so y'all uh, do have another picture
1: of him?
2: Somewhere. Oh, we got years, uh, years of, pictures, of oh, okay.
1: years of pictures of that. Yeah, deer.
2: but that you know that deer there, he don't score a lot different. Mm-hmm. But his body
1: characteristics, had I slowed down a little bit, were vastly different. I didn't tell Jeremy this, but when I reviewed the footage, I was looking at at the footage of when he shot the deer when we were walking downfield to go look for it, and I didn't zoom in, but I looked at the deer and I was like that's not a six-year-old deer i didn't say a word because i didn't i wasn't sure i was looking at it on a you know a Mm -hmm. a small end i'm just like i don't think that's a six-year-old when (laughs) i when i when i'm walking up to
2: the deer i don't even see his full rack i can just see a beam in the uh, bushes and in the vines Mm -hmm. and i turn around and look at him i said that deer ain't very big (laughs) and i turned around and looked and i said that can't be him I said, it can't be. I said, the body's too small. Uh And we get over there and grab the rack and pull it up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You can just pick the whole deer up with one hand. I was like, that's a deer from across the
1: road.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you do – you hear people talk about ground shrinkage, like, "Oh man, he looked great, and I shot him, and I got to the ground." And well, this oh, wasn't I, ground shrinkage. Yeah, what I'm saying, like, <laughs> it was just misidentification. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, but I'm, just saying, like, it happens. You know
2: Absolutely, I mean? that one right there oh, had ground shrinkage I've, worse than w- any worse I've than ever anybody,
1: seen. worse than anybody. Me and my dad both have a story like this, except he legit killed a two-year-old. And the deer, I'll just say this: the deer that I killed had the tooth, the teeth, the the wear of a five or older deer. Mm-hmm. He also had the body characteristics of that, but he yes, was a he midget. Tiny. But all of his shoulders, his neck, everything was just one big muscle. I mean, it, he was real stocky. He looked huge.
2: Yeah. He I saw. huge. He, he
1: did. I saw the deer walking through a cutover at seven thirty one one morning, and I shot him and called, shoot, man, I called like two or three different people. He sent me a picture yeah.
2: of the deer in the scope still alive.
1: Yeah, and I was like, I just killed a 130-inch deer, and he looked 130. He He did. looked like he had 10 or 11-inch G2s seven to eight inch g3s Jeez. you know out past his ears maybe 17 inches wide good long main beams i get down there to the deer i think he scored 105 hey, he, he
2: was on the phone with me walking up to the deer and you know he's huffing and puffing walking out to this deer and he gets there and it just kind of gets quiet and he <laughs> says
1: Um, let me call you back <laughs> <laughs> So, the deer was, he, he, weighed a, he weighed 126 or 7 pounds, and his rack was outside his ears on both sides, which should have made him about 17 inches, but his ears were about 4 inches long. So, he was 14 inches inside spread. His main beams that I thought were 20 plus, 16, and his 10-inch G2s were like 7 they were considerably longer than his ears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he was just a midget of a deer. And it,
2: didn't you shoot that deer with a muzzle loader?
1: No, I shot him with was a with thirty a a six. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember but I he shot half his rack off, if you'll remember. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> Not only was he a midget, but I removed half of his rack. Oh Lord. But he, he laid he laid
2: his gun down on the deer and sent me a picture. And the gun's as long as the deer.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I and mean, it's Mason, our guest. Say hi Mason. <laughs> Yeah, Mason's back here. Right? Um, Mason shot a deer yesterday, a mature five-, six-year-old deer or older, and got a very respectable rack. He weighed 119 pounds. And yeah. Cody shot that deer at the yeah. same property that I shot my midget. He <laughs> shot a deer. He called me on the phone. He's like, I just shot a deer that's 24 inches inside. He's huge. He's a monster, Pro- probably 150-inch deer. Gets down there too. He scores like, what, 121?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's right at 120.
1: Right at one twenty, he was eighteen inches wide, but looked like a giant. He weighed in the one twenties, mm-hmm. and he was mature.
2: Yeah,
0: it's wild.
1: Just midgets, small deer.
2: So that look, you're gonna mess up. Oh, absolutely. Even if you're doing this off of pictures, sure. Yeah, you're gonna mess up. You can't get beside yourself. I mean, I I was mad at myself, you know, for a few minutes. I thought it was hilarious. He did, and and it
1: I was giggling the it, whole time. It was
2: you know entertaining especially since it happened to me Uh, i'd be mad if it happened to me yeah i got very tickled when it happened to him a few years ago made probably made my season (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but it's it's going to happen you are going to shoot the wrong deer yeah Mm
0: -hmm. happens yeah but that's uh i mean i think you said you know if it you immediately grab your weapon as opposed to grabbing your optics. That's probably a good indicator. It's kind of like if you've taken a multiple choice you mm-hmm. know, test, they always say just whatever your gut tells you the answer is to go with that, you're more often right than wrong. You know, yep. <laughs> like, yep. I don't know what the answer is, but I feel like it's C. It's grabbing C. <laughs> optics
1: cost me the largest deer of my life. It cost in a Alabama. lot of people. Yeah, grabbing optics cost me a, a giant well, I, me years and, ago.
0: Me and Jeremy were talking about this on the way down, and and uh, – Pike County in in Illinois, I had a similar situation where I hunted a morning and I saw nine rack bucks that morning. Now, at this point in time, I would have been twenty three, I think. Um, I had, I mean, I would go entire seasons and not see nine buck rack mm. bucks. You know what I mean? And so I was just kind of freaking out a little bit, but they were all real small dinks, and and at this particular place, there was a hundred and thirty inch minimum. So I'm like. You know, obviously, these are not anywhere close to that. Go back into the same spot that evening. I, I see this buck coming up this dry creek bed, and there's an Osage orange tree about 30 yards from me with a scrape under it. And every deer, every one of those bucks I'd seen that morning, they'd all gone straight to that scrape. I knew I'd already ranged it. It was 30 yards on the nose to it. And uh, he comes right to that s- scrape, starts licking branches. I draw back, and I go, oh, hold up a minute. You know, like mm-hmm. – Yes, this is way bigger than any deer you've seen so far, but those were all dinks. You know yeah. what I mean? Or is this gonna be a is this gonna meet one thirty or not? And this I've still got probably twenty ish minutes, twenty five minutes of, of daylight left at this point. And all the other bucks that I had seen had checked the scrape and then just kept on coming down this kind of bottom and they would go past me at seventeen, eighteen yards, you know, and, and leave. So I'm like Let's just wait a minute. He's going to come right across here. Mm -hmm. I'll check and see, you know, and that'll give me a better look at him. And if he's big enough, I'll shoot him. And uh, I didn't know this, but there's a cut bean field out to the left-hand side of the stand. And there was a buck in that field that that I didn't know was there. Mm -hmm. So he gets a glimpse of the buck in the field, immediately just goes, cuts right across the creek bank, never comes to me and gets out in the cut bean field. As the sun is going down, he just he stands there and he turns his head. And when he turns his head, the sun just lights his head up. And I'm like, you are the biggest idiot on the face of the earth. Like, I just, I mean, 130 all day. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of us down here. I don't know, you know, I wouldn't say 140, 150, whatever, but easily 130. And I had to just watch him mm-hmm. walk out in that main field. But walk it, out of your life. Yeah, and it would just – get cost me. You know what I mean? Oh, and, yeah. But I should have just shot the thing because mm. I knew, well, you know, just kind of uh, from experience. But anyways. Um, but that's – I mean, that's about covered it all, guys. We've, uh, we've actually talked for over an hour. <laughs> so, oh, uh, we could
2: talk an hour more about oh, we this could. little subject.
0: That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, – I guess we'll wrap it up. Anything you guys want to add to? It'd or... oh, be, be a little
2: late to invite folks to NWTS. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully I guess, we'll be there. Ho- yeah, hopefully <laughs> you're yep. there right now. <laughs> that's,
0: right. <laughs> yep, that's right. And uh, at this point in time, uh, we still don't have the sequel 33 from Darton in, but as soon as we do, we'll let you know and tell you how you can win that thing. It's, a, it's appears to be uh, an incredible bow. Um, if it's anything like the Prelude – uh you guys are going to love it cuz it's a great bow. Jeremy shot it and put an animal or two down this year with it and uh so hoping you guys are going to get this sequel before we will. Yeah. We're going to get a chance to shoot the thing. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, stay tuned. Like we said before, it's not just a hunting podcast. This kind of covers all things land related and now that we're kind of through the end of deer season at least here in Alabama, I believe all of the Southeast is pretty much closed up for the season now. Um, we're going to talk turkeys as we get into turkey season, that sort of thing. Obviously at NWTF, you'll hear us talking turkey stuff. but um, we're also going to um, try our best to cover more habitat type stuff, uh, habitat improvement. Uh, we'll be talking timber, talking uh, even kind of some real estate side of stuff. We'll be you know talking to picking Jeremy's brain a little bit on how to maybe improve. Uh, your property's you know value maximize its value if you're looking to sell it or if you're looking to buy land what to watch out for what to be mindful of um, we're going to talk about a lot of different things so i'm pretty excited about that too i love talking hunting but it's gonna be cool to switch gears and talk about some some other stuff too because mm-hmm. these guys are a wealth of knowledge and we'll get to go on a deep dive into whatever is in the minds of <laughs> the brock and the ferg, <laughs> so, the ferg. yeah yeah, that's the way. This could have been a radio show, with Brock and the Perg. Mm. <laughs> the A. L. King, yeah, the Legend and the Ferg,
2: the Legend. Oh man, there's only one oh. legend in Alabama that's any bigger than him, and that's Nick Saban. Hey, right, right behind him is is, is Matt
0: Brock. That's right. Still a sore subject, man. The goat's gone. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> be more excited. Yes, I'm What sure. are you
1: gonna do if the new guy is? Like better than saving Not gonna happen. Well I'm but what are you gonna do? I Same
2: thing I do now, I hadn't watched a I hadn't watched a football game in three years, so good. No 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 different. I mean I'm still a Auburn guy through and through, but eh. That you sounds know what's like sad?
1: It. He hasn't watched a football yeah, game just, in three
2: years, but he still hadn't killed was, a one forty in three years either. Uh, <laughs> I did too. I killed one forty No, not here.
1: What are you doing with all I've, that time you I've,
2: got? I've killed one the last two years in Kansas. Yeah. I'm just going to start hunting other states and let you camp out down here.
1: That's yeah. fine on me. Less yeah. competition. There you go. Uh,
2: you ain't got any <laughs> over here
0: anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me! All right, guys. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate your continued support. Uh, reach out to us on social media, and um, uh, you can also email us at info at, the, at Um We'd love to hear from you if you've got any requests. We're going to do more um, kind of – Listener request, viewer request uh, type episodes, too. It was a lot of fun doing that last one, too. So uh, until next time, we will see you. And I guess we'll uh, – if you are at NWTF, go ahead and stop by and say hey.
2: Out. Adios.